Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. <laughs> and welcome to all our friends, welcome to our family, welcome to those who are joining us online. Um, as I've been saying for the last few weeks, if you're joining us online, if you will, go ahead and like, subscribe, and share this message. Many of you have been doing it. I want to say thank you for doing it. Uh, thank you guys for coming today. We are in the middle of a summer series that we've been calling The Gospel According to Marvel, where we've been noticing uh, <laughs> that, that in many cases, art imitates life. Take Natalia Elianova Romanoff, more commonly known as Natasha Romanoff, a fictional character portrayed by Scarlett Johansson in the movies based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name, sometimes known by her alter ego. What's her alter ego? The Black Widow. The Black Widow. Now, what's her claim to fame? Romanoff is a spy, and clearly she's an expert in hand-to-hand combat, trained in a red room somewhere in Russia, supposedly, from childhood. She eventually joins the counterterrorism agency SHIELD. She she changes from the bad guys to the good guys and becomes a, a key member and eventually leader of the Avengers. Now, um, the truth is, though, concerning her, well, there's a new movie that's come out. She's had a tortured past. Anyone seen the new movie yet? One? All right, two. I went with my daughter as well. <laughs> Research. <laughs> anyway, she, has a, she had a uh, tortured and sordid past. And, and keeps, that keeps kind of catching up to her from time to time, things that she wished she could have and would have done differently, especially now that she is a double agent, a double agent. Always has been. She has some regrets. And again, I'm excited for the summer release of The Black Widow as it does indeed answer a lot of those uh, past questions and brings closure to some of her troubled past. Now, with that said, the Bible also highlights an unlikely double agent hero who kind of risked her life to do, to do right, but she too has a sordid past and she desperately needs divine intervention if she's going to survive. It kind of reminded me of a story that I heard about a businessman who needed a million dollars to close an important business transaction. And so he goes to church. Where else would you go, right? He comes up to the altar at the end of the service, and he starts to pray for the money. He kneels down. He starts to pray. And next to him, a guy is praying for $100 that he needed to pay off an urgent debt. Well, the businessman took out his wallet right away, and he took out a $100 bill, pressed it into the man's hands, and overjoyed the man got up and started praising God, and he left the church. Well, the businessman then closed his eyes again, knelt down and prayed. He says, and Lord, now that I have your undivided attention. <laughs> Folks, if we can only be assured that we have God's undivided attention. Because many of us have lots of hopes and dreams and desires, things that we think we need and wish we, we would, come, would have been answered yesterday. My son shared with us, even if it's small things, right? My son shared with my, my wife on the phone last week that our, 
Before I go any further, let me just go ahead and wish my, my beautiful bride of over 30 years a happy birthday. I love you, Deborah. Yes. But she was on the phone with Ricky, and Ricky was telling us that our, daughter, our granddaughter, Eva, was praying that night, because they prayed with the kids that night. She was praying that her grandma and her pop-up would come see her the next day. And so, and we said, oh, Deborah got off the phone and told me right away. I said, okay, well, you know, she has more than one grandma and pop-up. They're here today. Come on. I could just call them up on the phone, right? No, I didn't say that. But so Deborah said, well, we need to go over there the next day. So after work, we got, we packed up and we kind of just showed up at the house. And she was like so surprised. She says, oh, my goodness, God answered my prayers. It was so cute. Now, Eva's request was simple, for, for sure, but, but, and easy, but some, some of the things that we're facing aren't that easy as getting in a car and just showing up and answering, answering a prayer request like that. Some of our, us are facing financial issues uh, or desperately seeking a change in our medical situation or, or we're having relationship problems or career issues, and, and it would seem that we would need God's divine intervention. I know I would want God's divine intervention in these situations. And so today's message kind of speaks to how we lay the groundwork for having God intervene in our lives and what that looks like in a message that I've entitled, The Unlikely Double Agent Hero. The Unlikely Double Agent Hero. Everyone should have been given an outline. Take it out and wave it at me if you will. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. But her name is, the biblical name, that we're, the Bible name that we're talking about, her name is Rahab. And she, too, was desperately seeking a change from her circumstances. You can read her story in Joshua chapter 2. But before we get in, into it, I want to remind ourselves of the backstory. I shared some of it last week, but the Israelites, some 40 years earlier, had been miraculously delivered from, the, from hundreds of years of bondage to the Egyptians. And God did it, did it in quite a dramatic and epic manner. The ten plagues, the cloud by day, the pillar by night, the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, allowing for the Israelites to pass through on dry ground, only to have the Egyptians try the same thing and drown. <coughs> but, but even with all those miracles, the Israelites proved unfaithful listening to a bad report given by ten of the twelve spies. We talked about that last week concerning the land of Canaan, a land that God reported was a land flowing with milk and honey that God promised to deliver into their hands if they would just obey. Someone say obedience is the key. Obedience. obedience is the key. But instead, they saw themselves, rather than victors that God had intended them to be, they saw themselves as little grasshoppers in the eyes of the inhabitants of the land. <clears throat> and they tried to mutiny against Moses and Aaron so God swore an oath that none of them 20 years and older would ever enter the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. So because of their disobedience and unbelief, they wandered the desert for some 40 years until that generation and Moses had died. And now Joshua, Moses' successor, was charged to lead the people across the Jordan and into the promised land. And to do this, they'd have to drive out the Canaanites, the Parasites, the Hittites, and, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. All the nations that have rejected the word of the Lord were steeped in sin and sinful behavior, and their judgment day had finally arrived, and God was going to use the Israelis to bring that judgment on them. 
But the first city was the most impressive, and you've heard about this. You've heard this story, seemingly impenetrable city of Jericho. Let's take a look at Jericho. Archaeologists found that the walls of Jericho were nothing like you might see in a castle today. The walls were six feet thick. That's as tall as I am. That's how thick it was. And, and up to 26 feet high and sat atop a 46-foot embankment, making the city almost impregnable, impossible to conquer. But how many know that what's impossible with man is possible with God? Amen? So, so God points to Jericho, the biggest, baddest hombres on the block, as their first city to conquer. And he points and he, and, and he, and he, and he points them to them, and he says, I've given that city to you. So, so Joshua does just that. He commissions two spies to go check out the land to see if, in fact, it's true. And the whole spy thing didn't work out so well the last time they tried it. We can only hope that these guys are going to come back with a better report. And in this case, they didn't disappoint. And God leads them into the city and right into the house of Rahab. Now, if you think the black widow had a past, <laughs> Rahab has a past. Rahab has a past because what does she do by profession? She is a prostitute. God leads the, 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 the spies into a house of ill repute by the name of Rahab, who, who runs that, that establishment. Now, mind you, in my mind, there's only one reason for this encounter to be taking place, only one reason at all, and that was that God was going to save Rahab. Amen? Would, would God do something like that for someone like her? Yes. How many know? Yes, he would. I promise you he would. Can I just say this? As far as God's concerned, it, does, it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters where you're going. Amen? It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what you're doing. It's not who you are, but who you belong to. And Rahab, though, she's got this wild past and wanted for all the wrong reasons. At the approach of the Israelites, against all hope, she saw a way out and reached for it with all of her heart. And she becomes this unlikely double agent hero for the good guys. I'm talking to someone out there, maybe someone who's listening online. Because in Christ and him alone, we can have new beginnings and a fresh start. Amen? Amen. Now, can I just say this? Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And my prayer is that Living Water Community Church would be considered friends to sinners. Amen? Amen. Sinners are welcome here. Not, not, not to stay stuck in their sin. I mean, he loves us enough to accept us the way we are, but you've heard me say say this before, but he loves us too much to keep us that way. Amen? For him, his sinners are welcome here. Uh, unfortunately, today, the Rahabs of the world wouldn't be welcome in many churches, and that's, that's just sad. And so the spies end up at Rahab's house uh, under the leading of the, of the Lord. And word gets back to the king of Jericho that the, the spies have entered their land and have been spotted going into her house. So Rahab hides them on the roof of her house under the stalks of flax, which is a type of plant that she laid out on top of her roof. And when the king's men came, she lies to them and tells them that they, they did come, but they left. If you hurry, they went off that way. You can go catch them. And off they go in hot pursuit. And then she goes up to the roof to talk to the spies. And this is where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 2. Verse 8, 
Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in, fit, in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. Verse 11, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Now listen to a declaration. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Come on, somebody. This is the confirmation that they needed. The, the knowledge of what God was doing with them and through them had preceded them. And the fear of the Lord was all over the people of, uh, of Jericho. The, the, there wasn't going to be much of a fight, even though they lived behind these massive walls, these impregnable walls. They knew there wasn't going to be much of a fight. But this also proved that Rahab was a believer in the God of the Israelites. And so now she starts to plead her case in verse 12. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee when Jericho is conquered that you will let me live along with my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all their families. Folks, she didn't just want to save herself. She wanted to save everybody in her family. Amen? That should be our desire as well. My desire is not just for me to make it to heaven. I want my family to go with me. I want my cousins and my, and my brothers and my sisters, I want them all to come with me. My mom's a great example. She's always preaching Jesus to the family because she wants them in heaven with her. Verse 14, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Verse 15, listen real closely. Then, then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, where was it built? <clears throat> into the town wall. Won't you take note of that? <laughs> Excuse me. She let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days for the men searching for you then, for searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the, from the window through which you let us down. And all your family and your members and your father and your mother and your brothers and all your relatives must be here inside the house. Turn to someone and say, stay in the house. It, 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 the safest place to be is in the house. <laughs> come on, somebody. I'm talking about God's house, all right? Because if you wander outside the house, there's going to be danger. If you wander outside the house, that, that, that something might happen. But there's a principle here. We need to stay in the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on, on the people inside this house, we'll accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging in the window. And the spies went up in the, in the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. And the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, 
and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. And the Lord, the Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Now, again, of course, this, this was proof that they needed that God was indeed going to deliver Jericho into their hands. But we also see in Rahab the evidence of someone who's responding to the word of the Lord in her time and in her day, making the necessary changes to please God and to save herself and her family. In, in, in spite of the fact of her past, how many know the grace of God reached her as well? Amen? Now listen to what the scripture says about grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's not about how good we are. It's always about how good God is. Amen? That's what his grace is all about. And we need God's grace in our lives. But the evidence that God's grace is working in you, listen to me, the evidence that God's grace is working in you, the proof that God's grace is working in you is a changed life. It's a changed life. Now, let me put it this way. Where there is no change, you're probably not saved. Hmm. I'm not saying you didn't say a prayer. I'm not saying, I'm saying you probably did say a prayer. I'm saying you, 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 you didn't really repent from the things that Christ died on the cross to save you from. How do I know? Because you're still doing the same things. There's no change. Nothing has changed. Now, I just don't want any of the flock that God entrusted me to, to teach and to oversee and to teach his word. I don't want anyone to be deceived. I don't want anyone under the sound of my voice to hear these words eventually because my Bible says we are eventually all going to stand before the judge of the living and the dead. His name is Jesus Christ. And we're all going to stand before him. I don't want anyone who comes here, who have come here, who listens online to hear these words, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, not my words. Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This is what he said. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does what? Help me, somebody. Please help me. Anyone who does what? Who does the will of who? Of themselves? Of themselves? Of, no, of who? Of, of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, who are these people that Jesus is talking about, folks? These are people who got just a little bit of religion, but they continue to practice lawlessness and evil with no real change in their lives. So if there's no real change, there's probably no salvation because change is the evidence of salvation. Now, let me give you a couple of five other things that will give evidence of salvation in your life. Because, again, I don't want to have anyone here, I never knew you. I want you to write this down. Number one, number one is you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. 
You trust in Jesus and what he's done on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Not your works, not your religion. I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a Catholic. In Christ, in Christ alone, you trust. In his relationship, again, it's not who you are, but who you belong to. Number two, you love Jesus and seek to serve him in your daily life. Evidence of salvation. The Bible talks about people who honor God with their lips, and we know many of them, but their heart and their actions and their behavior are far away from him. It, ta- it talks about taking up our cross and following him daily. Are you seeking to serve him on the daily? Number three, you have a hunger to be shaped by God's word. The word of the Lord went forth, and Rahab heard it, and it shaped her decisions, and it put her in a position of not just saving herself, but saving her entire family. Do you have a hunger to be shaped by God's word? My Bible says, that my, well, what I know about my Bible is it's God's love letter to every single one of us. Amen? And if we're not taking the time to read it, and like we talked about last week, I, I, I take it his word and hide it in my heart so I won't sin against him. So I, so I, can, I, I can know what he, he blesses and what he doesn't. Amen? It's his revealed word. You have a hunger to be shaped by God's word. If you're not reading it, it's a problem. And number four, you start growing or you're starting to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about direction. The fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit being in your life. So if the Holy Spirit's in your life, the fruit that's going to come out should be Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. You don't have to force it. The Holy Spirit's there. A lemon tree doesn't have to be forced to be a lemon tree. A lemon tree should produce lemons. A mango tree should produce mangoes. An orange tree should produce orange. Or a Christian should produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. Amen? Now, here's my beef. If you're a believer for more than two years, because under two years, as far as I'm concerned, you're still a baby. But if you're a believer for more than two years, five years, 20 years, and you're still as mean as a viper, (laughs) proud as a peacock, and mad as a hatter, come on, somebody. Something is wrong. Something didn't take somewhere. We need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This is evidence of change and salvation. And let me give you the fifth one. You feel conviction for your sins and try to make things right if and when you blow it. Because none of us are perfect. We are going to blow it from time to time. Someone's going to cut you off. Someone's going to hit your little buttons, you know, push your little buttons. 
and you're going to blow things. Well, do you feel bad when it happens? Do you apologize? Some of us, <laughs> we don't apologize for nothing. We're like the Fonz. Remember back in the day when the Fonz was on TV? I, I, so young people say, who? They don't know who I'm talking about. But people my age and older, they know who I'm talking about. Hey, right? The Fonz was the coolest person on the planet, right? He'd go into the bathroom, he'd take out his comb, and then he'd look in the mirror and go, hey, I always look good. Well, he had a problem. When it came time to, to apologize, he, he, had a, he would always say, I would, I'm, he, he had a problem in that area as well. Let us not have the farm's problem when we blow it. You know why? Because the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when we humble ourselves, we'll find that God's love is bigger than our greatest sin and our biggest failures. That's what Rahab found out. And God says in the Bible that it's not his will that anyone should perish, but that all, someone say all, all should come to repentance. That means we all have some repenting to do. If you look in the mirror and you can't find nothing out of place and nothing wrong with yourself, you know, in, internally, something is wrong. There, we all have things that we can turn, turn to God and repent of. Now, did God come through? For the unlikely double agent Rahab, if you read the story, you know he sure did. Remember where Rahab's house was? Where was it? In the city wall, right? And when the walls came down, one house stayed standing. The one, listen, with the red ribbon hanging out the window. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen? Now, what's this? In Joshua 6, 20... It says, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so that every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the, with the sword everything, every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house, which was still standing, and bring her out and, who, and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all who, were, who were belonged to her. And they brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city, everything in it, verse 24. But they put the silver, the gold, the articles of bronze and, and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent the spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many know that God knows how to protect what belongs to him? Yeah. Amen? I mean, Joshua did her dare. He, she lowered them out of the thing. He said, now, if we're going to continue with our deal, I got to see this red ribbon. And if I don't see this red ribbon, I'll deal it off. And when God saw the ribbon, the red ribbon hanging out of her window, all the other places crumbled, but her stayed standing up. And, they, and that red ribbon was hanging there even after. And, and everybody in that house got saved. Everybody in that house got saved. The death angel passed that house over. To the Israelites, he told the same thing. When I, when I see the blood on the lintel, on the, on the side post, when I see the blood on your doorpost, it will, 
Uh, the death angel is going to pass you over. And the death angel came to the, the Egyptians, but it did not touch any of the Israelites because when God saw the blood, I'm talking to someone in here, because to the world he says the same thing. When I see the blood of my son, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You will pass from death to life. You will receive the grace through faith through him. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? Now listen to me. You want further evidence of God's grace in Rahab's life? Listen, listen to this. this. This will blow your mind. Matthew chapter 1, verse 6. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez. Zerah and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. You remember Boaz, the God's kinsman redeemer, whose mother was Rahab. What? What? Not only did she step out of that house and start a brand new beginning, she stepped into the lineage of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, somebody. Rahab, Boaz, and Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. David, the father of Solomon, whose mother was, who had been Uriah's wife. And then it goes to a drop down to verse 15. Eliad, the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Nathan. Nathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Wow. Wow. Listen to me. Listen to me. Rahab, along with Ruth, is in the lineage of King David and Jesus himself. Why? Why? Because she trusted in God. Come on, somebody. She, 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 she went from the outhouse to the White House. She, she went from the house of shame to the hall of fame. Listen to me. It's never too late to become that person that God wants you to be. Amen? Because what God did for her, he'll do for us. He's not a respecter of persons. He'll do it for us as well. I don't care what your past is. I don't care where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. It's where you're going. Amen? It's not, where, it's, not, it's not who you are. It's who you belong to. And folks, the moment you step into Jesus Christ, you step into a new lineage. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. I'm talking to someone out there. And that's the good news of the gospel. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith and this not of yourself. It is a gift of God not as a result of, of work so that no man may boast. Too many of us are playing the double agent for the wrong team. We need to come out of the closet and get on the right team and let the evidence of him being in your life, in your heart, start to show forth. 
Let the Holy Spirit start to permeate. Let the Word of God start to change your heart and to change your mind so that you can become the man and the woman of God that He's called you to be so that the fruit of the Spirit will start to come out in our lives. That, that love and that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness. And, and even not just for you, the people around you need it. Your husband needs to see the fruit of patience in your life. Come on, somebody. That your wife needs to see the fruit of self-control in your lives, husbands, and your parents out there. Now more than ever, we need the Holy Spirit to be permeating our lives because we are living in a dark, dark, dark world and people are desperately, and people are literally falling, slipping into eternity every moment and they need to desperately hear the good news that Jesus Christ is not holding our sins against us. He's a, he's a friend of sinners. He came into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. Salvation can come to us the same way it came to, to Rahab. It came to the children of Israel. The sal salvation comes to us through the blood of the Lamb, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you've not yet accepted him as your Savior and your Lord, listen, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him or recommitment to him this day. The Bible says today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as they did in the rebellion, as they did back when, when the children of Israel were doing their, their nonsense. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. But listen to the wound of the Holy Spirit in your life and allow God to take up residence. He's, not, he's, a, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in on you. You and I have to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Can someone say yes to the Holy Spirit? Yes, Lord. Let your yeses be more than your noes when it comes to the things of the Lord. And you will walk right into the presence of the God and, and, and His will for your lives. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And say something like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to come into my heart, to make me a brand new person in you. Lord, I've blown it in many areas. And as the Holy Spirit reveals or, or to you in your heart those things that have been done in the past, don't be flip about it. Ask God to forgive you. Say, Lord, I, I, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for showing a lack of self-control. I'm sorry for the, the impatience and being unkind. I'm, I'm sorry for these things that I've allowed to be, become a part of my life. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Forgive me, Lord, for these things. I don't want to walk in those things anymore. I want to be an agent for you. So forgive me of my sins. You said if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. I believe that Jesus came and died. Three days later, he rose again. And because he lives, I will live as well. And today, Father, I recommit my life to you as well. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all say, Amen.
Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.